take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. We are continuing with our series called Inner Alchemy, where we're looking at the keys that open the door to transmutation of our energy, our being, from denser frequencies of negativity and resistance to the higher frequency elevated emotions of our true nature, love, peace, and bliss, among others. Wouldn't it be great to be more in that range more of the time? Inner alchemy is what I call a process of transmutation that is shedding what is false and illusory in us to reveal the real. The last two episodes, we've been focused on taking responsibility for what's showing up in our reality and owning up to the fact that our perception is faulty and we don't see things clearly because we've been programmed. That may sound a bit dour, but actually it's great news. It takes blame and shame and guilt out of the picture. It's a reality check and a new beginning because if we embrace these two keys, we're taking a stance of humility. Humility is the starting point for all growth. And actually, humility is one of the most powerful spiritual practices because it helps us to transcend all of the levels of consciousness up the the ladder or the scale of consciousness. Remember the story about the Zen master who receives the pundit for tea? The man is a well-known and well-respected intellectual who's reached the highest echelons of academia. Now he wants to conquer the realm of spirituality with that same mind. (laughs) The Zen master invites him in and begins pouring the tea into the teacup and pours and pours and continues to pour until it begins to overflow into the saucer. The intellectual nervously interjects, hey, what are you doing? The cup is overflowing. It's already full. It can't take any more tea. The Zen master looks at him and says, Exactly. The teacup is like your mind, already full. It cannot take any more. If you want to learn, you must empty your mind. Come back to me with your cup empty, and then we'll see. (laughs) I love that story, and I have to tell it to myself to remind myself when I think I know something that uh, this work is not done with the intellect. So even if we're not an intellectual and a pundit, we tend to have the same pride in our stance toward the world. We believe that we can figure out life through our mind. Think about how many times you say, I have to figure it out. Yeah, I'm going to figure that. I need some time to figure that out. That's an expression that we use over and over again. But that is just the ego's arrogance. The egoic mind says, I know that when it knows nothing at all. It believes it is the author of all creation and certainly the author of our life. It's the one that 
picked up that book on the law of attraction and decided it could do better, right? It's the one that says, I create my own reality. Uh-oh. So what of this commonly spouted new age dictum? I create my own reality. It's trendy. You may have heard people say it. You may have said it yourself. I've said it. But what does it really mean? Well, this is our key today. And yet it's one that's apt to be superficially understood or totally misunderstood and worse, hijacked by the ego and lots of people who talk or teach manifestation and the law of attraction. So I put this forth as a little bit of a provocation. <laughs> I create my own reality. I create my own reality. The question is, who is the I doing the supposed creating of the supposed reality? Our very nature is creative. We create automatically with every breath. We don't have to try. We don't have to learn manifesting. We're doing it all the time. It's part of us. It's part of our nature. We function on frequencies like a TV or a radio. We're always broadcasting a signal. We don't have any choice in the matter. That signal is a vibration made up of thoughts and feelings. Thoughts are electric and feelings are magnetic and together they generate an electromagnetic field within us and all around us. In science, they discovered that everything is vibrating energy, including us. And indeed, the law of vibration is one of the great laws, one of the seven main permanent principles of the universe. Everything we perceive is made up of invisible vibrating energy of all different frequencies. We're living in a sea of frequencies and everything is interacting with everything else. There are an infinite number of frequencies in the universe. So everything that we see and experience in our life is just a physical expression of energy and frequencies beneath the appearance of what seems to be solid and tangible is vibrating energy. So what does that have to do with creating our reality? Well, think of a tuning fork. A tuning fork is a metallic object with two prongs that's used to tune musical instruments. When you strike a tuning fork, it creates a vibration and that vibration interacts with the molecules of air around it. The vibrations push and pull the air molecules, compress them together and expand them apart from each other. And that sort of wah, wah, wah effect, <laughs> the wah, wah effect, <laughs> that's what creates sound. So if you've ever struck a tuning fork near a piano, you'll hear something interesting. When you strike the tuning fork, the strings in the piano that are at the same frequency as the tuning fork will begin to vibrate. This is called sympathetic vibration. Anything that's tuned to the same frequency as the tuning fork will also vibrate because it is receiving the waves through the air. The vibrations are transferred through the air and cause things of a same or similar frequency to also vibrate through resonance. So we are like a tuning fork, only more subtle. The vibrations of our thoughts and feelings can't be heard, but they interact with other vibrations in the universe just the same and resonate with those things and people which have similar rates of vibration. We attract circumstances and people through the principle of resonance based on our own vibration at any given moment. For example, let's say that I've got a lot of anger inside me, whether I'm aware of the anger or not. It has a frequency. 
that frequency is going to attract situations and people who are vibrating at the same or similar frequency. So even if I'm not actively expressing anger, the energy of anger within me will tend to attract situations and people who mirror that anger back to me. I will probably experience or witness conflict situations, arguments, accidents, maybe even violence. In my younger days as a performer, I tended to be drawn to and to be cast in a lot of roles that required mining the lower end of the scale of consciousness, let's just say. Shame, guilt, fear, apathy, grief, desire, anger, and pride. So these are all part of that spectrum of uh, vibration, of frequencies that make up the, the, what we would call the lower end of the scale of consciousness. These are um, denser emotions that, that lead to suffering. And let's face it, much of the dramatic literary canon and entertainment is made up of characters who live in that space. That's what creates drama, right? I'll always remember the words of one of my first acting teachers at Duke University. I was a brand new freshman auditioning for the first play of the year, which was the prime of Miss Jean Brody. Originally, the director, this acting teacher, wanted to see me for Jenny, that's the ingenue, the nice girl. So I went in to read for that part. And after I did, he called me over and he handed me a new scene for a different character, Sandy. So Sandy looks like an ingenue, but she's the one who has the affair with the art teacher. <laughs> she creates the scandal. And it was a much cooler part, so I was excited. And as I walked by the director with my new sides in hand, I caught a glimpse of his notes. And there was my name, and underneath a few phrases that he had jotted down as I read for the first role, the role of Jenny. And I remember something like this, in quotes, talented, looks innocent, but evil inside. <laughs> evil inside. And I thought, this guy understands me. <laughs> I was not at all offended or hurt by that. I actually felt seen. And for many years of my career, I played the evil inside. And the universe gave me a safe and acceptable container for exorcising my own demons through the medium of the theater. And I also learned to generate frequencies at will. And I could play up and down the emotional scale like a virtuoso. These were my first teachings in inner alchemy, the transmutation of frequencies, the capacity to move from one state to another at will right? So when you're an actor, you can't be attached, right? You have the, the whole, um, one of the main principles of acting, uh, which is actually a spiritual principle is to be in the moment, to be in the moment, moment to moment awareness, we called it moment to moment awareness. That means you're not hanging on to the past and you're not thinking of the future. You're in the moment and it's all happening to you right now. So, you know, in that sense, and I remember explaining this to a, uh, a yogi one time when I was just starting my sort of intensive training in Kundalini yoga, he asked me, you know, uh, what do you do? Where do you come from? Because I was this sort of, uh, the freak of nature from North America in this French ashram with all these Europeans. And they were like, what are you doing here? And, uh, so I told them about my background and I, this, this, uh, this guy was asking me questions about, you know, what is it like to be an actor? What do you do? And I, I ended up explaining something about that uh, experience of moving up and down the emotional scale, um, 
transmutation of energy, being a receptacle and all that. And he's, he was looking at me and finally he says, that sounds like great training to be a yogi. <laughs> uh, the universe always gives us what we need, doesn't it? But to come back to that uh, path of mine in the past, I did notice that sometimes when I was intensely focused on a role that involved a lot of strong negative emotion, and I was producing those frequencies in a repetitive manner, eight shows a week for months on end or during a rehearsal period, very intense, the boomerang would come back in the form of physical pain, muscle spasms, little accidents, a kind of chaos and jaggedness in my uh, surroundings, in my experience, things like witnessing fender benders, arguments, and, and once breaking my nose at a party the day before final dress rehearsal of Titus Andronicus. That's a Shakespeare play where the character I was playing eats her own children in a pie. <laughs> okay, so, I mean, not knowingly, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty um, full-bodied, uh, vivid display of violence in that play. So we attract by resonance whatever is in harmony with our vibration. The same is true, of course, of kindness and compassion, other positive emotions. If you have a lot of love in your heart, that will be reflected to you as well. We are all complex human beings with lots of thoughts and feelings in us. And, you know, we're not just permanently in one state and stay there all the time. We're always going through... Uh, uh, going with the flow and, and, and shifting from moment to moment, moment to moment awareness. And that accounts for the great variety of circumstances that we encounter. Often, we might not be able to make a direct connection between what we experience and what's going on inside of us. Sometimes it's obvious, but often it's subconscious. So let's go back to those subconscious programs we've been talking about. We saw that our programming affects our perception, right? That was the last episode. Well, it also affects our vibration, obviously, because everything vibrates. So my programming is going to be a big part of what creates my vibration because it causes me to think and feel in my habitual ways. This is a personal vibrational signature in a way. It's what's read by the universe at every moment. And that's going to tend to attract things that are a vibrational match. We're like a bunch of walking tuning forks, causing things that are uh, the same or similar frequency to vibrate in resonance. And remember that there's a lot going on in us at the subconscious level that we don't remember and that we're not aware of. You see what I'm driving at? We are mostly driven by subconscious motivations we know nothing about. And yet the conscious mind and the ego believes it knows everything and is making choices. <laughs> It's, it's quite, I mean, it's laughable when you think about it. The conscious mind, which is just, it's just the tip of the iceberg, you know, it's like, yeah, I know what's going on. <laughs> That's no idea. It thinks it knows. It's, it's living, you know, in this life and it's making interpretations, but they're mostly uh, twisted and they're warped and they're influenced by our own programming, which we're mostly not aware of. It's laughable. <laughs> you have to, you know, if you can see the humor in it and stop taking everything so seriously, then, you know, you're on the right track to take a little bit of distance from it so that you're not totally identified with your ego. And none of this is the real you anyway. So there is no question that we are creating our reality. 
there is a generative principle operating within us that generates a reality with us or without us being aware one way or the other, you're going to create a life. (laughs) And like a cork on the ocean, we naturally rise and fall according to our own frequency of vibration. We are naturally magnetized to where we are in the field. Everything in existence is a consequence of this field. Not of me, the little me of the ego has this crazy idea that it's doing something like a mad emperor sitting on its little throne in its bonkers pavilion, making declarations and, and, and stating opinions as if it matters. <laughs> oh, this is really making me laugh today. So again, when we say I create my reality, the real question is who is the I doing the creating? That's the more important consideration. And consequently, is this reality that we are creating in alignment with Dharma or drama? (laughs) And in that sense, I use the word drama in the sense of karma, right? It's funny because there's not a big difference uh, spelling wise between Dharma and drama. You just move the R and add an H and you get Dharma, right? So Dharma is the way, the path that's in alignment. It's it's the, the path of peace, the path of realization. When you're living in the Dharma, you're in alignment with your true self. And when you're living in the drama, well, you're, we already know what that is because that's what we live most of the time, right? If we think we're creating our reality and we've misidentified ourselves as the ego, and who isn't doing that? then we have this grandiose notion that we are the doer in our life and that, and we tend to take ourselves very seriously. As I said before, we, as the I in separation are not the doer. We, I mean, all of us, when we are the I in separation, in other words, the little me, the one who thinks that I'm alone and I'm just a fragment in a hostile universe. When we think that we're the doer, of our life, we got it wrong. Life is happening without our intervention. Yeah, it's happening without our intervention. Mostly what we are doing is getting in our own way, swimming against the current, blocking ourselves, frustrating ourselves and creating suffering for ourselves and other people. And we think we're manifesting in quotes. The I in separation to the whole can only manifest separation. You understand? This is the second great law, the law of correspondence, as within, so without, as above, so below. Whatever is inside is reflected outside. So if there's a crack, if there's a crack in the lens of your camera, that crack is gonna appear on every single photo that you take. It's not out there, it's in here. The eye in separation to the whole can only manifest separation. Separated from the one, we don't know what is good for us because we do not see things clearly. Divinity knows what is right and perfect for us. It knows what is going to bring us true fulfillment, true happiness. We mostly don't. We fixate on things, ideas, people, and situations that we believe are good for us. We're like, that's what I want. I need that. But that's coming out of a sense of lack and incompleteness. And we use our, quote, manifesting techniques 
to dig ourselves into a hole focusing on lack and incompleteness. Or sometimes we do get what we want by using our willpower, making ourselves and everyone else around us miserable. And then we also get to inherit the karmic consequences of getting what we thought we wanted from the distorted perception that is the I in separation. So yes, our key statement today is I create my reality. It's true. My vibration, the tuning fork that I am, is creating my reality through my thoughts and feelings. Nothing I can do about that. But who is the I? Who is speaking? It all depends on who is the I in the I create my reality. The I in separation, otherwise known as the little me, or the I of the I am. So I have to ask myself the question, do I want more drama, more trauma, more karma, or do I want peace? One thing is for sure, we won't go for peace until we've had enough of suffering. You know when you get to that point, you just can't take it anymore and you're like, uh, there's got to be another way. And this is where free will comes in. We have free will, but we have to decide to use it. Because honestly, when we're enslaved by our programming, we are not free. We think we have free will. Mm, But how free are we really when we are bound by the limitations of our programming? Everything that we do then is a reaction to that programming. I may not have been able to say no to the programming that's in me, but I can make the decision to free myself from it starting right now. We are not our past. We're not our history. We're not our bloodline. And, you know, the the victim consciousness makes the past more powerful than the present. And that's simply not true. It makes the past more powerful than the present moment, the now. We each have an opportunity to manifest the powers of the soul through this incarnation a unique expression of all the gifts that we've been given. That is a decision and a commitment to to be true to the I am. But it means going against your programming and conditioning and often betraying, sort of, you know, betraying, that's not too strong a word, the, the limiting values that we were raised with and that are held dear by those that we hold dear. It means letting the I create your reality rather than the little me. The little me wants the career, the relationship, the paycheck, the house, the security, the image. (laughs) The I is not interested in any of that. Manifest the I am and manifest eternal life. Manifest the ego and manifest death. So this phrase, I create my own reality, opens a whole Pandora's box. It can free you. And it can enslave you, depending on who that I is. And I guess that that should apply to all the keys that I'm sharing with you in this series. It all depends on whom you serve. Will you allow your natural creative power to be co-opted by ego and be led to a dead end of illusion? Will you allow yourself to be seeded by others whose minds are stronger than yours and exploited by the agendas of fear and enslavement? Or will you exercise the faculty of your higher will, empty yourself 
of the false self and allow the I am to be the one and only creator in your life. This is the bridge we spoke of last week, the bridge of willingness that takes us to a very simple way to solve problems or better yet transcend them. I am responsible for what appears in my life. I own it. It's a consequence of everything that I have become up until now. And I acknowledge that I don't see things clearly because I've been programmed. And that's okay. We're all in the same boat. This is how we've been creating our reality. But we can choose to activate the higher will and manifest the true self by letting go of what is false. And this is a totally natural process of inner alchemy. This week, as you're going through your day, and as you say, I this and I that, ask yourself, who is speaking? The little me or the I am? See you next time. Until then, walk in grace. Thank you for joining me in the grace space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.